lovers of the stars, sit tight. It's time for my UFO tale and an update from the Kids Space Force. Stay tuned. Professor Theo's Mystery Lab. I'm Professor Theo. Welcome to the lab. Strange things are afoot in splendid, wondrous, adventurous, beautiful, splendid West Virginia. Some people here think the bizarre experiments of my lab on campus at Splendid University have something to do with the odd happenings in this town, but I can assure you, Splendid has been unusual for a long time. Far longer than I have set up shop in the science lab on campus. I grew up near here, though I have told very few stories of my youth. This week's episode includes one, my UFO tale. It was a night I'll never forget. But first, an update from the Kid Space Force. Last time we visited them, they had blasted off from Earth on a five-month mission to explore the galaxy. Chris, Natalie, and Marcia promised to send messages home from time to time to update us on their travels. This is their second such correspondence. Kid Space Force 9 After a stop and a delicious burger on the dark side of the moon... Our spaceship was stolen. We got another spaceship from the spaceship rental store on the moon and blasted off towards Mars. Sure enough, we found our ship there. It was destroyed. I was crushed. I built that cardboard and duct tape rocket ship with my own hands after all. A nice Martian mechanic offered to help. Fortunately, she specialized in refrigerator box propulsion devices. It cost a lot of money to fix those, so we had to get jobs at a local pizza place. Natalie and Marsha fit in perfectly, but I got fired for eating all the product. Who could blame me? That pizza was delicious. Cheesy garlic. I'm just going to go ahead and skip ahead here because he talks about this pizza for entirely mm-hmm. too long. I bought eight pizzas for the ride. Wait, where'd the eight pizzas go? Oh, right, I ate them. You know, on Mars, the sun appears to be about half the size it does on Earth. It was a nice planet, especially if red is your favorite color. It's a little dry and pruned to some pretty nasty dust storms, but with easily the best pizza in the solar system. Mmm, that pizza was so good. Mm. Oh, and we got to see Olympus Mons. That's the tallest mountain in our whole solar system. It's 13 miles high. Anyway, we got our repaired rocket ship back. We didn't have enough to pay the whole bill, but that nice Martian mechanic lady said we'd be even if we could just make a quick detour to Jupiter to deliver something secret hidden in this box she gave us. We didn't really have much choice if we wanted our ship back, so we set a course for Jupiter. I am excited to visit Jupiter. 
I hear the best breakfast place in the whole galaxy is near Jupiter. Until next time. From one space-themed tale to another, I hope you enjoy Professor Theo's UFO Tale. When I was my son's age, ten, I was scared of flying objects in the sky. You see, my hometown led the world in UFO sightings. It wasn't unusual to see six or seven each night. These spacecraft rarely touched down on Earth, but the whole thing still freaked me out. Until I got to see one up close. Extremely close. I was playing wiffle ball with some friends when the neighborhood lights flashed on a signal that it was time for me to go home. Curfew. We squeezed in another inning. I jumped on my bike and pedaled hard in the direction of home, Glenroy Acres. It was only a few minutes away. A quarter of the way home, my progress was halted when, all of the sudden, my bike chain broke. It was always popping off at the worst possible time. I flipped the bike over and fixed it quickly a skill I had perfected by now. I pedaled on, halfway home, in a large overgrown field where we'd set off fireworks in the summer and build igloos in the winter. My path was blocked all of the sudden by my friend Mike. He was going on and on about a strange ship that had crashed at the bottom of a nearby hill alongside the Ohio River. Mike begged me to go with him to see I didn't want to get home late. If I was out past curfew, my parents would be mad. I might even get grounded. And trust me, that's the last thing you want in August. As the late summer days ticked away. Still, I couldn't resist Mike's tempting promise of spotting a downed UFO. For all the spacecraft I'd seen in my young life, they'd always been high in the sky. The prospect of seeing one up close was scary, but a bit exciting. I ultimately agreed to go, but only for a quick peek. The saucer had indeed crashed and appeared at first to be abandoned. With much hesitation, we went right up to it. I even touched the shiny metal outside. Mike and I walked around it. Nobody carried cameras around in those days, so I don't have any pictures. I wish I had a pic of the look on Mike's face when that hatch opened. And it, they, appeared. I jumped. My heart was beating fast. My palms were sweaty. My first instinct was to run, or to hop on my bike and pedal like never before. But I was frozen. My legs wouldn't move. A family of aliens emerged from the ship and approached us. There were two larger ones, about human adult size and two smaller ones, about the same height as a two-year-old. They were green and scaly and overall pretty nice. They spoke English, too, which I thought was strange, until one of the bigger ones explained that they spoke like over a hundred languages. I didn't even know there was a hundred languages. The green, scaly, kind alien family explained how they had lost power and crash-landed and needed help. Mike flipped out and left. He said he wouldn't tell anyone, but I knew he was going to head straight home and tell everyone about what we'd seen. 
Authorities would arrive in 10 minutes, maybe 15. And if that happened, this poor alien family would be the subject of poking, prodding, and endless experimentation. I decided to help. I boarded the ship and looked around. The area inside was wide open. It appeared much larger on the inside than one would think after spying it from the outside. I spotted alien toys that I imagined belonged to the little ones, and I was tempted to play with them myself. But I was a boy on a mission. There was loads of Dr. Pepper, too, which I learned makes up about 75% of their alien diet. It's actually the main reason aliens travel to Earth. To stock up on Dr. Pepper. That's true. I don't remember all the details, but I do remember thinking that the inside of this alien ship wasn't all that different from my home in Glenroy Acres. The paintings were different. The furniture here was neon, which was pretty cool. Instead of Neil Diamond's voice crooning from my dad's record player, some strange, alluring alien music was playing. I inspected the ship top to bottom, overhead and underneath, all around. Nothing appeared to be amiss. Five minutes had passed. Powered by delicious alien bubblegum, I continued to search. Five more minutes passed. I could hear police sirens in the background. My newfound alien friends failed to grasp the seriousness of the situation, continually attempting to get me to join them in playing alien video games. Instead, I persisted in my search to find and fix this spaceship's problem. Then I found it. It was simple. Underneath the control panel, I found a chain. It looked just like the chain on my own bike, the one that was always coming off. And I hooked it back onto some alien thingamajig, the same way I would fix my bike chain. All of a sudden, the ship shook, coming back to life. The sirens grew closer. I told the aliens they needed to leave. They were thankful. We said goodbye. They gave me some potato chips for the road. Apparently chips are second only to Dr. Pepper when it comes to these alien diets, so the fact that they shared their chips with me, well, that was pretty special. Before I leapt out of the hatch back into my world, I watched as the two smaller aliens took their places behind the control panel and buckled in, readying for flight, while the two bigger ones went on to playing with those alien toys. Strange. I was back on the ground, next to my bike. I could see the police lights, and the sirens grew louder, probably just a block or two away. I jumped on my bike, I pedaled hard, and I got a little extra burst, the whoosh of the UFO blasting off, propelling me just a bit closer to home. As the police arrived, flanked by firefighters and men in black, the ship was high above the clouds, safely away, and I was on my way home. I did end up arriving about 15 minutes late. It was past my curfew, and I did get in trouble, but it was worth it. From then on, whenever I would see those UFOs high in the sky, I didn't get frightened anymore. I just thought of how nice that alien family seemed, and I knew, of course, that they were just traveling here 
to abduct Dr. Pepper and potato chips, not 10-year-old kids and their bikes. And I would smile and wish them well. I still do. That's all for this week, listeners. Next month, we celebrate the two-year anniversary of this podcast on our march toward 100 episodes. A number will hit sometime this fall. What a wild ride it's been. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening and spreading the word. Next week, we'll be back with a moon pie lullaby. In the meantime, take a walk, build a fort, grab those walkie-talkies and explore, cool off with the garden hose, listen to podcasts for the love of splendid, and remember, it's never too soon to start putting out those Halloween decorations. Have a wild and wonderful and weird and fun week, listeners. Be good to each other. Professor Theo's Mystery Lab is written and read by Jonathan Joy. And Levi Joy. I'm Rissy Joy, the proud wife and mother of these two. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Spread the word. Tell a friend. If you don't, Professor Theo might blast you into outer space. If he could do that type of thing, I mean. Also, please consider supporting this project by making a small monthly pledge at ProfessorTheo.com. You can email our family at theprofessortheo at gmail.com or tweet at us at Theo underscore mystery. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week.